be in the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, I want to start off with a question for everybody. We've got one smart aleck in the group. He already knows where we're going. And brother, you ain't allowed to use that. That's my line. Anybody else know where we're going? Let's see if anybody else has figured it out. Week one, we had walk in the newness of life. Week two, we had walk in love. Week three, we had walk in wisdom. Week four, we had walk in light. Anybody figured out what this one is? You're a smart aleck too. Third John, walk in truth. Walk in truth. I don't know if you have noticed or not, but each of these lessons sort of build on each other to a certain extent, walking in newness of life. And with each of these other four, including this morning's, we cannot do them unless we are saved, unless we walk in the newness of life. Walking in love is what empowers us to be able to desire even to have the other four, the other three following it. Walking in wisdom, knowing what God wants from our life and putting it into action enables the last two. Walking in light is obeying the revelation of God for us and to us for our lives. And this morning we are going to talk about walking in truth. Now the word truth appears 237 times in 224 verses in Scripture. But there are a couple of different applications to the word truth. One of the applications is, of course, not telling a lie. And to be honest with you, I, uh, I struggled a little bit with which way I believe the Lord would have me to approach this message this morning, this lesson. And that was the original intent. And then about 10 o'clock last night, God says, nope, that ain't it. And so redid the whole thing. And so it makes life very interesting. So if you see me stumble this morning, you know why. Let's read our text this morning, 3 John, verse number 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Father, we thank you for this morning. We ask you for your grace and your mercy. I ask you, Lord, that you would enable each of us to at least desire to walk in truth. And Lord, we ask you, Father, that you would use us in the way that you would Father, get the most glory from. Teach us your will this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this, I want to bring about one other thing, bring one other thing to your attention. I mentioned that quite often the word truth is used just to talk about not lying, not telling an untruth. The other application of it, the other prominent application of it in Scripture is actually summed up by a phrase that we find some 88 times in Scripture, and that phrase is the truth, singular. And one thing I would caution us this morning is to be very careful that the truth that we are portraying to the people around us is the correct truth. We need to be very careful that we prove to them that it is a singular truth. There are not many ways to heaven. There are not multiple ways to get there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In each of those instances, he says, I am the singular choice. I am the only choice. doesn't matter how good somebody is according to their religion. 
without knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are not going to heaven. It's that simple. I believe in a very narrow way, a way that is defined by Jesus Christ as Him being that only way. And as we look at this this morning and walking in truth, truth in this particular instance is more than just the revelation of Scripture to us. It's more than just walking in light. This is walking in total obedience to what God has taught and teaching the same to others. The Apostle Paul said that, told the, I believe it was to Timothy, he told him that he was to take what he had learned and teach it to other men who would be able to teach others also. And that is what we are here for. If God had no use for us beyond salvation, I honestly believe that he would have just taken us to heaven the moment that we accepted Christ as our Savior. God's got to work for us. So far, all the way through this month, we have been talking about this idea of handing out gospel tracts and winning others to Christ. That is the ultimate goal. But as I have mentioned several times throughout the lessons so far, what we do and the way that we walk does make a difference. And if we do not walk consistent with what the Word of God teaches, we are not helping we are not being a, a help to God. We are actually a hindrance to Him. As we look at this, uh, it brought several thoughts to my mind as I looked at this particular lesson topic. The first one is a question that is actually asked by Pilate. He asked the question of Jesus. He said, what is truth? And that is the problem today. The problem today is that truth is not singular. Truth is relative. You'll hear that quite frequently. People believe that what they say is the truth. And it doesn't matter what you think, what you say, what the Word of God says even to them. They believe that their variation or variety of truth is the only truth that matters. We need to be very cautious, very careful that we don't get caught up in that. Because if we begin to twist the gospel, begin to twist the truth, then we are just as guilty as they are. There are those that have taken the gospel of Jesus Christ and they have twisted it into something that it is not designed to be. We won't go into those particulars this morning. This is not the lesson for that. But I would encourage you to be very careful when you're talking to somebody, particularly about the Lord Jesus Christ, that you don't allow your opinions to influence it. We all have opinions. There's nothing wrong with having an opinion. But to be quite honest with you, there is something that's more important than your opinion, and that is the truth of the gospel, the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we go through this this morning, there are 13 different definitions in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and most of the definitions in the, in the Webster's Dictionary talk about being truthful in what we say. You see, you and I, we have a... We have an ability that, that most people don't have. We have a book that we can trust. You and I, we've been given a perfect, inspired, preserved Word of God. We've been given something that we don't have to guess at the answers. I have, in times past, been guilty of making up answers. And I'm not talking about in relation to church things, in worldly things, in work situation. It, most of the time, if you don't know the answer, just guess. It's better than not having an answer. That's the worldly attitude toward it. But when it comes to dealing with the gospel of Jesus Christ, dealing with the truth of the Word of God, 
we must go back to the word. If we don't know the answer, we must tell them we don't know the answer and then seek to find it so that we can help both them and us. For us to be able to walk in truth this morning, it is a, a simple matter of answering that question, what is truth? The answer to the question, what is truth, is not a what. It's a who. And that's the key for you and I. As we look through Scripture, and some of these may be a little bit simple to think about, but we read certain passages of Scripture like Deuteronomy 32 and verse number 4. The Bible says, He is the rock, His work is perfect, and all his way, for all His ways are judgment. And we've heard that maybe as a kid's song. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. Our God is a God of truth. If we look at these next few verses that we're going to read here in just a moment and, and consider what they say, they will become the basis of truth in our life. We need a firm foundation. We've got to have that foundation for truth. And if we do not have the Word of God as that foundation, what are we counting on? What are we using as that basis? Is it your opinion? Is it what some teacher said? As much as I love my pastor, I can't trust what pastor has to say unless it's based on something more firm, more substantial than he is. If, if Brother Rice preaches only his own opinion, the problem is that is subjective and it is subject to change. We change our opinions all the time. Now, I have this thing. You see what I'm wearing this morning. I have this overwhelming desire for not... not mixing stripes and plaids, but here I am this morning, it don't look quite so bad as I thought it might. We change our opinions all the time, and so we cannot trust in opinions. We've got to have truth. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 18 is the basis of why we can trust what God has to say. This verse says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, and that's the key, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. It is impossible for God to lie. I am of the opinion, and again this is opinion, I am of the opinion that when scripture and science are put up against each other, if one of them is going to fail, it will be science every time. I don't care what the scientists say as far as evolution goes. I know what the Bible says. I know that the Word of God is truth. And we'll get to that here in just a moment. But when we look at this, we must have that basis. We must have that foundation. John chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It does not say it contains truth. It says it is truth. There is no part of the Word of God that we do not need or is not applicable to us. There are so many people today, particularly today, but it's been a problem forever, that believe that the Old Testament was applicable in a different day, but it's not applicable now. That is a misconception and a lie. God has given us all of Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That, that we, and here's where I always lose it, now I can't remember the rest of it from there, that, that we can grow, that we can, that we can be guided, that our life can have a basis, a foundation, if you will. When we look at this, the Word of God must be that truth to us. Nothing else matters. It's not what thus saith Papal. 
It's not what thus saith pastor. It's what thus saith the word of God or the Lord. We need to understand that. We've got to have this. We must walk in truth. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 6, the Bible says, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. So you and I this morning, the first context of the word truth being not telling a lie, the Holy Spirit is what enables us and allows us to be able to do that. It is his indwelling within us that convicts us when we tell a falsehood. I don't know about you guys, but there are times that the Holy Spirit just beats me up, not because I've done something purposeful, but because my sinful nature has caused me to say or do something that I should not have done. He is there to bring to my attention what truth is, regardless of whether I'm comfortable with it or not. We must understand truth. We must begin to want to walk in truth. The problem today, and what I have titled is the woe for truth, is a simple fact that mankind does not want truth. We want our version of it. We read passages like Isaiah 59 and verse number 14. And I love this passage of scripture. I've always, every time I've read this, I've gotten this picture of the uh, gunfight at the OK Corral. And when I read it, you'll understand. It says, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off, and truth is fallen in the street. And equity cannot enter. Truth has fallen in the street. I just get this mental image of truth being the victim of a gunfight. And he's just laying there bleeding out. And this is a real problem because truth is something that it, if, if it's not applied in our life, we will be just as variable as scripture tells us that we are. We are not supposed to be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. We need to have some, some truth. And if it's not firmly based on the Word of God, then we've got a major issue. If somebody comes along, and I, I like to watch debates to a certain extent. There was a debate held many years ago between a man named Kent Hovind and a particular scientist, uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy. And this was a big, big dispute between them and this disagreement, I guess you would say, was, was very heated and contentious. But the problem was, Bill Nye, the science guy, all he had to go on was supposition. All he had to go on was what they thought science meant. And Kent Hovind had the basis of scripture to count on. When we begin to understand that, we, we realize that if we don't stand for the truth, the truth will die in the street. We read passages of scripture like Romans chapter 1 and verse number 24 and 25. It says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That is the problem today. We live in a world today when homosexuality and perversion are rampant. And the reason is the rejection of truth. When men reject truth, God eventually says, that's fine. I'll let you do what you want to do. But there's a consequence to it. They don't want to understand that. They don't want to know that. But it doesn't change the fact that it's there. 
You and I, we can disagree with the speed limit all that we want, but it ain't going to stop that cop from giving you a ticket. Guys, when we read passages of Scripture like this, we need to understand that truth is important. And, and I, I personally long for a day that I've never seen with my own eyes. A day when truth was, was the prevailing factor in society. Some of you that live in days before my birth year, I was born in 1965, and some of you were born well before that. And you guys have witnessed, some of you, have witnessed an age when truth was the norm. That is no longer the case. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 11, uh, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, the Bible says, And for this cause God shall send, notice this is future, shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see, without the acceptance of truth, there is a consequence to come. We need to be cautious, and I'm not saying fearful. We need to be cautious that we live a life that lines up with truth. What we speak when... Let me, let me use an example from my own life. We lived down in Florida at this particular time, and I, I met a, a pastor of a full gospel church. And if you don't know what that is, it's sort of like free will, but a little more uh, forgiving, I guess you'd say, a little more contemporary. These, these folks were standing there having a conversation at the uh, counter at the electrical place that I worked at. And... This pastor found out that one of my co-workers was shacked up with another co-worker. They weren't married, but they were cohabitating, is the word the world uses today. And he knew that I was a preacher, and he looks over at me, and I get dragged into this conversation, uh, unwillingly, but dragged in it nonetheless. And he says, that's wrong, isn't it, Tom? <laughs> what could I do? I have to tell the truth. Right. Yes. If I had stood there in front of him and said, no, that's their choice to make, which is the worldly attitude toward cohabitation or shacking up, it's my preferred phrase, then the problem would be, first of all, I have denied the truth of the Word of God. And second of all, I have just made him an enemy for another thing. And don't need either one of those. And we need to be careful that when somebody does bring us into a conversation that we speak the truth whether they like the answer or not. My coworker and his girlfriend, neither one of them were real happy at my agreeing with this pastor, but it was truth nonetheless. We are encouraged in Scripture to speak words of truth. Don't think that because we're not focusing on telling the truth that it's not important. But what we speak is important. We read passages like Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in him on all things, which is the head, even Christ. And of course, this is part of a larger passage of Scripture. But we see this idea of speaking the truth in love. I can tell you the truth and be hateful and tear you down in a heartbeat. But that's not the right attitude to have. When we tell somebody something, if I tell an unsaved person that they're lost and dying and going to hell, I am telling them that because I love them and I care for their soul, not because I want to be mean to them. 
We need to make sure that our attitude is right when we tell the truth. When we speak the words of truth, don't do so to try to get even with somebody or to make it so that you look better than they do. Speak the truth for the truth's sake. Stand by the word of God because it is the word of God. Don't try to have a point to prove. That is difficult for us. I am one of these ones. I like to win arguments. I like to win arguments very much. But if that is my sole goal, then I've got a major problem. God's got to be the one that gets the glory from it, not me. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9, we must remember that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is the end goal of speaking truth. If we are not speaking truth with the end in sight of winning that person to Jesus Christ, we've wasted an effort. Every conversation that we have has a potential to lead us to the place where somebody can get saved if we speak the truth. Many of us, and I myself at times, am just as susceptible as anybody else. We are fearful to speak the truth because we're afraid of what the other might think. It doesn't matter what they think. Because if we don't speak the truth, there's going to come a day when both they and we stand before a holy God. Now, the judgment is not the same judgment, but there is a judgment. I am of the opinion, and I believe Scripture backs it, that we will see the unsaved as they stand before God. I believe that we will be there as a witness. The Bible says that when we leave this life, we will be present forever. We will be ever present with the Lord. We'll never leave His side. Who do you think is going to sit on that throne? Guys, if He's there, so are we. We will line the halls of that great white throne room as witnesses. There will be people that stand there that day that say, I never wanted to accept, I never had the chance to accept Christ. And the answer is really that they didn't, it's not that they didn't have a chance, they didn't want to. And the problem is there will be those of us that were saved the same day that they were presented with the gospel. We will be there as a witness that it was possible and that the gospel was preached, the truth was given. Guys, we're never going to be away from him. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 25 says this, Wherefore, put away, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now this verse, yes, could be used in the context of being truthful in our speaking, but it is also a secondary aspect to this. Put away lying is the part that deals with us not telling an untruth. But it says, speak every man truth with his neighbor. That's more than just telling truthful words. That is giving the gospel to your neighbor. We've got neighbors at our house, one on either side, that are great moral people. But the problem is they don't know Jesus Christ is their Savior. We keep inviting. We keep talking to them. So far it hasn't done much good. But to be quite honest with you, at least they've seen the truth of the gospel lived out in our life. We must have a walk of truth. Philippians chapter 3, and we will not read all of this passage. It's verses 14 down through 21. It talks about a, a pressing toward a prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus, I always get it backwards. 
Philippians 3 verse 17 says this though, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. That's the same word as an example. You and I this morning, we have the example of those that lived in Scripture as to how to live and walk in truth. You and I this morning, we must come to this place where we realize that it is important. Each of the lessons up until this point have all been about basically us coming to the place where we are firmly aware that the way that we walk does make a difference. You've heard me say this phrase so many times over the course of the last few weeks. Some of you may be sick of it, but I love this phrase. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. What you do, the way that you live your life, by itself will never win anybody to Jesus Christ. But it will back up or refute whatever you say to them. If I live my life walking around my backyard with a, a can of some alcoholic beverage in my hand, that's not going to help. But if I live my life by the truth of the Word of God, then when I speak to my neighbors, they know that there's something different about me. They know that there's something different about you. It does make a difference. I have mentioned several times during these lessons that you are being watched. Your neighbors are watching you. Your co-workers are watching you. Your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren are watching you. We must be careful. Why should we walk in truth? Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. I'm going to read all of this one because I believe it's important. Verse 11, the Bible says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Verse number 14 says this, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the, as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Now I know that that last portion there is a little, needs to have some time taken on it, but we're not going to do that this morning. But notice in verse number 14, the first part, when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. Peter was living a lie. And Paul had the guts to tell him. Peter is a great man in Scripture. God really used him. But Peter is just like we are. Peter is the greatest example of failed humanity you will ever find in Scripture, in my opinion. He makes the same boneheaded mistakes, says the same stupid things that you and I say. But here we're told in Scripture that we should walk in truth, walk according to the truth of the gospel. Why? Because what he was setting an example for, for those folks, was not the example that the Bible was teaching. And when we do that, when we set that false example to them, we can lead others astray. 
We are warned in Scripture of casting a stumbling block in front of those that we know. Living a, a two-faced life, living a life that's not in line with truth, that is one of the easiest ways we can do it. You may not be intentionally trying to stumble others, but that's the end result. The witness of the truth. John chapter 18, verse number 37, the Bible says, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. What we do and what we say is a witness of what God has done in us. Notice I did not say, and I have been guilty of saying this, what God did for us. It's what God did in us that makes the difference. The for us part is just an added benefit. Getting to go to heaven, avoiding hell, look at it whichever way you want to. Those are just added benefits to what God did in us. The change that God makes in us makes it possible for us to, to be a witness of truth. When we read Acts chapter 26, verses 24 and 25, the Bible says, As he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. Even when it's uncomfortable, we need to be telling the truth in the form of the gospel. Paul wasn't worried about telling a lie at that point. He had nothing to gain or lose by it. But telling the gospel of Jesus Christ had an eternal benefit that he could foresee. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 7. Wherefore I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Notice in this verse there's an interesting thing that takes place. We see both the word truth, but we also see the word verity. The word verity really means truth. One is talking about the word of God, the gospel. He speaks forth the words of truth, or I speak the truth in Christ in this verse. Verity is talking about how he said it without lying. My opinion. If you're welcome to disagree, it doesn't bother me. One of the issues is that we live a, a life today that we believe that the gospel needs to be confined to just a certain time. I believe, and pastor, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe one of the reasons that pastor wants this spring sowing campaign as a part of our life is to get us to the point where we realize that it's not just about church organized outreach. It's about every moment and every, every minute of our day. When we read passages like Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8 is an interesting one because something happens in that chapter that wasn't pleasant. We see persecution come. Sometimes, sometimes we live in this world and we are, we are blessed by God, don't get me wrong. We live in a country where it's a free country. We're able to come and worship, preach, sing, do what we want to do without being persecuted for now. But I believe persecution has an effect. It has a purpose in Scripture. 
In Acts chapter 8 and verse number 4, it says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. You see, when persecution comes, they had nothing else to rely on. They didn't have anything in common with the people that they were now being associated with. We go to work and we get to know the co-workers and we begin to talk about their favorite sports, their favorite ball teams, their, their favorite kid, whatever. And we begin to tailor our conversation around that. These folks had nothing else to talk about but Jesus Christ. If we could come back to that place where Jesus Christ was the most important person in our life, man, I tell you what, our life would be major different. I love my wife, but don't get me wrong, I love my Lord more. And if we don't do that, we've got major, major problems. There are just a handful of verses, and we will not have time for them this morning, but just a quick go-over of the verses in 3 John. 3 John chapter 1 says, Whom I love in the truth, truth will affect your love. Living the gospel of Jesus Christ, living the truth of the gospel, living the truth of the word of God, will change your life and the life of those that are around you. One of the interesting things is, my wife and I, we've got friends that the very first time that we ever met them, it was like we'd known each other forever. We've talked about this in the car, taking some of the ladies home before. And it's just amazing the way that that works. And there's a reason behind it. And that reason is because we are all associated with the same truth. That fellowship that comes from that, that kindred spirit that we find in others, is much necessary in our life. It will change the way that you love. Verse number three says, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. It is, a, it is a cause for rejoicing, the truth that you see in the life of somebody else, and it can be witnessed. Verse number four, we've read and talked about a little bit, but notice this. He says, I have no greater joy. There is nothing greater than to know that your children are walking in truth. Brother Hamby, I know that you have a family that has several preachers that I am aware of. Man, that's got to bring a, a blessing to your heart. Some of you others in the room, maybe you guys experience the same thing. But there is, my son can do anything in the world that he wants to do, but when he dedicates his life to serving God, that's what pleases me. It's not my son making a million dollars that's going to make me happy. It's to know that my son is following God that makes the difference. It does change things. Verse number eight, wherefore there, we therefore ought to receive such that, you, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. This goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning, that we can hinder, but we're supposed to help the word of truth. We are to help the gospel do its job. We are supposed to make it easier for God to win others to Christ, not make it harder. If there's anything that you get out of these lessons, please understand that what you do in your daily life does make a difference. Your walk does say something. And if there's nothing else that you never get an opportunity to talk to somebody, your life is witnessed. And it may not be your words that it's backing up. It may be somebody else's. But your word, your walk is important in what you say. I believe that uh, not next week, but the week after, Brother Tim will be teaching the lessons for a while. I don't know what you guys have planned and looking forward to it, waiting to see what God's going to do. But I, I pray that these five lessons have been a blessing to you. 
because our walk is extremely important. Let's all stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as the piano begins to play. Father, we thank you for this morning. I ask you this morning that you would work in the lives of each that are here. God, that you would just teach us your will. Help us to at least be consciously aware of the truth. Lord, each of these five lessons, I believe, are the key components to living a good godly life. And Lord, I ask you, Father, that you would just bless us, we pray. If there's one in this room this morning that does not know Jesus Christ is their Savior, Lord, would you please convict their heart? Would you draw them to yourself? Would you help us this morning to see their need and, and Lord, just to be able to help them? Father, help them to be bold enough to come to the front and, Lord, just to cry out to you for the help that they need. Father, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And maybe God spoke to your heart about walking in truth. Truth of the word. The woe to the truth that many people don't like the truth, to be honest with you. Oh, how the truth needs to be lived out in our life. As the piano plays, the altar's open. God's spoken to your heart. You can pray there in your seat. You can pray at the altar. Maybe you don't know the Lord as your own personal Savior. You'd like to trust Him today. I'd encourage you to get with, get with me, get with Brother Tom Tannis. If you're a lady, then we'll have a lady show you from the Word of God and how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity because that is the most important thing that you'll ever settle in your life.